Welcome back to another edition of the Hooper's Almanac. The Golden State Warriors are NBA 2022 champions. To Mitch's dismay, we promise no crying, but we will promise some pessimism, some negativity, some sadness, and and the like here on this episode from Mitch as he's trying to cope with what was a massive choke in the Boston Celtics of just the tale of two halves of the series, it seemed like, uh, almost being up three to one to then losing three straight and being out. Um, and eliminated in the finals. So we're going to break down that series, talk about Mitch, just check in on his mental well-being. We're also going to rank our favorite series and least favorite series from this NBA postseason. Um, just talk about the series that we really enjoyed watching and the ones that we didn't so much. So lots to go on today's episode. Before we get going, let's bring in our friends from Green Top. We are back at the Hooper's Almanac. As we said in the intro, the Warriors are once again champions. Stephen Curry and Klay Thompson and Draymond Green's fourth NBA championship. Steve Kerr's fourth championship as an NBA head coach. Ninth overall as he won five as a player with the Spurs and the Bulls. Um, Pretty impressive resume for Steve Kerr uh, when it's all said and done here. Uh, I know I, I slighted him on our top five coach rankings earlier. He came into a great situation. I think I saw an old episode of him on the All the Smoke podcast with Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson talking about how what just walking into a gold mine uh, in that franchise. And I think that's definitely true. But obviously, he's taken them to good new heights and sustained greatness, which is hard to do. Mitch, your Boston Celtics were on the, the back end of that series um, up to one, had a good lead in game four. Uh, almost double digits, maybe double digits in game four at home, ended up choking that away in what was a fantastic legacy cementing Stephen Curry performance. How are you feeling and what were your thoughts on this series as a Boston Celtics fan? So here's what I'll start with. I'll say congrats to the Warriors. You suck for being as petty as you are. Um, but honestly, I mean, Cole texted me like after, so Cole Stackline, friend of the podcast, big Warriors fan. I'm our Warriors analyst. He uh, texted me 30 minutes after the game. He's like, just text me whenever you're ready to talk. Because, <laughs> like, we have, like, this thing in our friend group. Like, if, if, if like, we lose to another friend, we're like, I know I'm going to be angry. And so he's like, just give me a week. I'm like, give me a week, and then I'll talk to you. It was two days later that I texted him about this. We talked about the series later. Um, congrats to the Warriors. Steph Curry is I, – I have my notes. Steph Curry is, un, is otherworldly. Um, Clay Thompson and Jordan Poole showed up when they needed them most. And um, I will go into my Celtics notes later, but we'll just talk about the Warriors since they won. But, I mean, they were ridiculous. I mean, games four through six were just insane, but just how well they played. Um, That defense for the Warriors was really showed up. And it was the thing that helped them out early on in this regular, in the regular season. It was the thing that they were clearly missing in the back half of the season. And then they, brought it back in whenever in the last two rounds of this playoffs, whether I mean, both against the Mavericks and against the Celtics who could not get anything going and had so many turnovers. And that's just one of the, I mean, that's one of the few slides I have against the Celtics. Celtics are a great team. They showed it in this, uh, I mean, showed in the back half of the season, even in the playoffs, but clearly still a lot of youth there. Still a lot of young things you need to learn, but it also shows experience 
pays a lot into this into this in this situation. And so we saw the we saw the Warriors experience come out really clearly in this series. And so congrats to them. We'll move on. And also I want to say that I'm still proud of myself for having the Warriors in the finals from day I mean in day one till like day two. I mean 150 of the season. So I mean I just been proud of, or game like 42 of the season. And so that's what until, that's until, that's all I'll say. Until Monty Williams and the Suns pulled the wool over your eyes um, and convinced you and the world that they were a lock to win the NBA championship only to have the worst game seven loss of all time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no props to you. You had a lot more belief in the Warriors. I think I was thinking back to some of my, my, some of my past takes on this team. I'm still so shocked that they were able to win the title. I think we talked about this in the last podcast, Mitch, but I think they're one of the most flawed champions in recent memory. Um, their defense stepped up a ton, but they still had a lot of flaws. One being turnovers, Defense at times was definitely an issue. Um, and I mean, but it eventually, you know, their experience and their their positives, you know, won the day. Uh, right. Stephen Curry was otherworldly except for one game, essentially game five, where he was terrible. And but the rest won. of his team played great. Um, Andrew Wiggins was outstanding. What we thought of him going into the playoffs when he was shooting like, 40% from the free throw line, like late season, just wasn't doing anything. Mentally, he completely turned it around, um, was a beast on the offensive glass and defensive glass, just did all the little things they needed him to win. They needed to win. I mean, without Wiggins, they definitely don't win that series. Oh, Clay Thompson was a different um, person as well from the beginning of that series, even to the end of that series. Um, and throughout the playoffs, he obviously progressed as well, but within that series, he looked a lot better. And Draymond Green as well he was terrible at the beginning of the series. And in game six, he had the best game of his entire series, almost putting up a triple-double. Um, and it was great on the defensive end throughout the game. So it was interesting. As the series went on, the Warriors got better and the Celtics got worse. And I think it goes back to two things. One, you mentioned the experience. Two, I think fatigue definitely played a factor in this series. I mentioned it in the beginning of the series. The Warriors rode to the finals versus the Celtics rode to the finals. Two seven-game series. They did have a sweep in round one, but it was a pretty <laughs> tough. I mean, it's the most competitive right. sweep possibly ever. Um, and you're going up against two all-time superstars in Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. You know, that's a hard-fought series, even though it was a sweep. Whereas the Warriors maybe played, you know, one of the most two to three flawed teams in the Denver Nuggets as currently constructed in the first round. In the second round, they played – Oh, a Grizzlies team that I just think was ahead of schedule and obviously without John Morant for the back half of that. And then they ran into the Mavs who just simply could not hit a shot and they were reliant on three-point shooting and they didn't hit a shot. And, you know, it was an easy win from there. So their path to the finals was a lot, lot easier than the Celtics. And obviously, you know, they lined up and they beat them. So I don't, I don't want to put too much uh, credit to just the road that they got there. But I do I do think it played a factor in this series, especially when we look at guys like Jason Tatum performing the way they did. Yeah, I will stay on the Warriors for this last thing, and then we'll move to Celtics talk. It is – I so I updated my top 25 players of all time after this after this series. You ready, you ready for this? I'm ready for this. Steph Curry is number nine. I think he moved into the top 10 of Bill Simmons' pantheon as well. Well, I wouldn't know. I, I told Aaron this off air. I haven't listened to an NBA podcast since 
Monday of last week. I, I really just haven't touched it because I didn't want to listen to anyone talk about the finals. I just wanted to soak in my own thoughts and, and outside of like our recording we did before uh, game four. I mean, that was the only thing I really like did any like sort of research or listen to anyone before. So Steph Curry proved in this finals. I mean, so stupid to say he didn't need Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant needed him. And that's, I mean, and Cole Steckline is the one who pointed that out to me four years ago and, and still talks about it to this day. Didn't believe him until this until the series was over. Steph Curry was insane. He is the second, if not third, I mean, second, he's in the top three greatest teammates of all time. Bill Russell and Tim Duncan are both up there as like, uh, are also up on that list. And so you move those three, however you want to Tim. So, and those are also two top 10 players in the, of, of all time. So Steph Curry is insane. The, I mean, he, how well he shot and how well he played, like you said, he had a crappy game five, but still was super impactful an entire game five. I don't want to hear anyone talk about how crappy of a defender he is. He is a good defender. He's not bad. He's a B B plus defender. He's improved a lot. Right. And of course, yes. I mean, he wasn't this good at all whenever he was starting in the league and he wasn't this good in like 2014, but no. then in 20, once, once they realized how good they, he needed to be on defense, 2015 finals, he still stepped up and showed that he can be serviceable 16. He was good. Um, and then this, this play, this playoffs was showed how well he can play on defense. And so how strong he has been able to stick with guys. Um, you know, I, Felt like it was time, and I feel like it's super important that the what the per- person we call the greatest shooter of all time should at least crack that top ten list, as well as this finals performance plus the finals MVP. Um, so I think it was it would be insane not to have him on your top ten list. Um, top twelve is where I'll like have the cutoff, like for anyone who's like even thinking that I mean thinking he shouldn't be there, but like that like quote-unquote honorable mention club of the top 10 he if we want to talk 11 and 12 that's fine but he should be that number 10 or number nine for uh, he's so he's up in front of i have willed at number 10 and i have katie at 11 but he's right behind tim duncan and larry bird mm. who did he where was he before this series so he was at uh 12 oh so he passed kobe he passed kobe kevin and will okay kevin durant Okay, got it. Um, yeah, sorry. <laughs> lots of lots of Kevin's out there. Kevin I know there are, there are a fair Kevin Durant. <laughs> Kevin Garnett is on my top twenty-five list. Kevin McHale is not. No, I, I was if he was. I mean, they're both Celtics, so I just wasn't sure where you had them. That's fair. I, I, Kevin I do, Kevin I, Garnett I is top twenty. Can, yeah, you, yeah, you you take a more uh, neutral view when it comes to this sort of ranking for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's there are going to be people I, I who like. No, you're good. There's going to be people who are like Bill Simmons who like to yeah. have every Celtic that like had some sort of importance of all time that's in it. Like I have Havlicek, but he's 25. Like he's in the top right. 25. But like the I have, I don't know, like three, four. I have four Celtics on this top 25 list. But it's Bill Russell, it's Bird, it's Garnett, and uh, John Havlicek. I think that's a fair where you moved him. I think the thing that most people would – you know, sort of disagree with you on is probably him moving over Kobe. They'll say five rings versus four, a very surface level take. But I agree with you on the teammate aspect, being a great teammate in Stephen Curry's shoes versus being, I would not ever call Kobe a great teammate. 
<laughs> so I, well, I think that's a, a number one differentiator there. And the other thing is what, and it goes back to my point about Kevin Durant needed Steph Curry. Kobe needed Shaq for those first yeah. three series and uh, those first three finals. And also I will always go on this take. He should not have won the 2010, uh, 2009-10 NBA Finals MVP. It should have gone to Pau Gasol. Pau Gasol was ridiculous and ripped up Kendrick Perkins and KG that entire playoffs and that entire final series. I think it's a crime they didn't win it, but it's, of course it's going to go to Kobe Bryant because he's got the name recognition. Should have won in the Magic, that's fine, but should not have won it that in 20, the 2010 finals. But the other thing I'll say is this is Kobe was great. But look at his look at his playoff numbers. They're very misleading. They're very deceiving. If you're looking at the comparison between shooting numbers, it is not even going to be a comparison. You're comparing him to Steph Curry when it comes to that kind of stuff. Because Steph Curry is otherworldly and un, and like a god when it comes to shooting. So it's ridiculous to even think. I mean, I agree. Kobe's done a lot for a lot of fans in the NBA. That's why people love him, and that's why people have their top three. And I need him to chill. But he wasn't. I oh. I won't do. I won't go that far. But what I'll say is he he's a great player. He's an all time great. He's my number. He's my number twelve. Um, but he does not crack the top ten for me. It's a good take. I mean, regardless, I think Stephen Curry has moved up, folks, all time list with this win. I mean, this mm-hmm. was the finals where he was the guy. Um, that first finals without Kevin Durant to beat the Cleveland Cavaliers, he was great. Um. A lot of people think he should have won the MVP. Should have. Guess what? He didn't win the MVP. Uh, Definitely performed a lot worse than he did in this finals. Also had a better Klay Thompson, a better Draymond Green, a better cast around him minus Jordan Poole possibly having that other X-Factor shooter ball handler. He didn't have that then. Um, But yeah, Iggy. I mean, Iggy was a lot better version of himself. Um, They had more size. They were younger. There's just a lot more benefits that Stephen Curry didn't have to be perfect like he did in this series. He had to right. be, he had to be the best version of Stephen Curry in this series, and he was outside of one game, and that that's literally the reason why. I mean, I think you said it. Unless Steph Curry goes nuclear, I, I think you said this when the Celtics were up two one. Unless Steph Curry goes nuclear, there's no way they're winning the series. I think he went nuclear. That's exactly what happened. But I would <laughs> say also Andrew Wiggins went nuclear for what Andrew Wiggins does. I mean. I think he was the unsung hero in the series. I said it before, he was my X factor for the Warriors, and he provided every square inch of that X. I mean, he was awesome in this series. Well, uh, fine. We'll just go into Celtics takes now. He locked up the best player on the Celtics named Jason Tatum. That's I'll make the excuse that he had the, end, the shoulder injury. That's fine. But I mean, Not buying it's, it. I, that's fine. You don't have to buy it. I'm going to buy it because I'm a Celtics fan, but it, it doesn't excuse the infinite amount of turnovers. The man had, he was the first NBA player to have hundred turnovers in the playoffs. So that's ridiculous. Um, 16.8 turnovers per game as a team. Oh, I was about to say Jason Tim definitely did not average 16 turnovers a game. That would have been. It was also Jalen Brown. It was, it was everybody on that team. Well, even Rob Williams in the last game. So it was ridiculous. What I'll say is this. Celtics have no one leaving that payroll over the next year. That roster is that, that let me phrase that the rotation. That same core eight guys is not leaving, unfortunately. So that's so and they don't have a first round pick because they decided to give up it for Derek White. I would really I, 
I will just say that it just it bothers me that we have nothing for a first round draft pick this year. Maybe we trade someone. I don't know. As long as Daniel Tice isn't my third string center next year, I I will be a happy man. I hope we trade him. Maybe get something in the offseason. I don't know what it would be. I, we'd have to pair him with something, something serviceable. But I I have I told Aaron this. I have already started doing the trade machine, and it's uh, I will I will be on that for a long time over the next week, especially planning for the NBA draft. If there's any way we can make a move to get into the draft or something, I don't know what it is, but we'll figure that out when we get there. I don't want to hear any Derek White slander, man. I know he had a few bad games few. In, in the finals. Uh, yeah, I mean, game one, he had 21 points. He was one of the main reasons you guys even won more than one game in this series. Completely great. Go back Completely to great. game three. Sorry, game two, he had 12. A very inefficient performance, but at least he had double digits. Game four, he had 16. Again, very inefficient performance, but a decent number for a guy coming off the bench playing somewhat limited minutes. I think if you're pointing fingers, point a finger at Grant Williams. I mean, Don't, he I, was me, the worst player on this out of Peyton Pritchard, outside of Peyton Pritchard, who was just unplayable. Yeah, he was the worst Celtic in this series. He had, I honestly don't know if he did a single good thing the entire series. He hit how many three pointers? He hit three three pointers all series. He shot twenty nine percent from three. He averaged four points per game, and he doesn't do anything else for you other than try to annoy Draymond, and <laughs> that clearly. No. Against them. <laughs> yeah, no. And so, what I'll, I totally agree. Grant and Peyton were terrible in this entire series. I mean, our bench was never, uh, our bench was just, just wasn't great. William White had, White had a few good games, yes. And then when we started losing, you could see why we were losing. So it was just like the inefficiency started to come bite us in the ass. Uh, the other thing is, Grant also has been, I think you talked about earlier, fatigue, I feel like absolutely killed the Celtics because. You think about how much Grant had to go through the Buck series against Giannis, and then even during that uh, Heat series when he was—I mean, he was the second guy they were going to throw. They threw at Bam. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was Al Horford or him because they were throwing Rob Williams whenever he was playing and not hurt. It was he was going to guard PJ Tucker the, most of the night. So I think he just was—you're right—he was just dying out there. It was it, there was definitely some sort of um, need for rest, clearly that he wasn't getting. So. I agree. He was terrible. There, the Celtics just had bad games. There, I, I'm not going to go into it in complete in depth of it because I go for an hour about it, but no one wants to hear me just ramble on about that about the Celtics for an hour. I don't want to hear that for an hour. So, all I'll say is this: there are a few things that need to just get fixed up during the and just like it's clearly growing points. What we learned is that Steve Kerr knew how to adjust in this entire in this entire finals. He may did it a lot during that the playoffs, but. Still had to find the final pieces to do it against Steve Kerr. It was whatever. Chin strap may baby. I know. You're going to keep rocking with that. It's going to be whatever. <laughs> Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Learn how to freaking handle the ball whenever you got three guys around you. It just happens. You're going to – and that's the that's the thing that was starting to happen, especially during that Heat series, is that guys were just sticking out their hands and they could tip the ball away. Victor Oladipo showed it so well against Jalen Brown, and it just did not stop after that. And it's then, exactly what happened to KD in round one. Right. Absolutely. And so the final thing is just it's another step to the puzzle, which sucks that we just couldn't have won the finals the first time we did it. We made it there. But it's – we talked about it. This this team is so young. This team has – like the only guy that was over 30 on this team – well, 
outside of Mar- – oh, no, Marcus Smart's like 29 or 30 at this point. But it's Al Horford. Al Horford was the only, the only guy over 30 on this team, which he's going to be 37 next year. Duh. But it's just – it's a what we're going to need to do next year is just we're going to have to – it's another year to get better. It's another – because we have Brown's there for two more years. Tatum's there for three plus a player option year, so four. And so you got two – I mean, two years to figure out what the heck and win a finals. That's what that's what your baseline should think about. You have two years if you're the Celtics to win a finals with this core, and if you can't do it, then you're screwed for the rest of it. So I, I that's the one thing I worry about. If you can't, if you can't, you can work with this duo. I, I refuse. I, I don't want anyone to go back to the idea of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum can't play together because they can't. They showed it throughout the yep. entire playoffs. It was just a bad finals, and defenses were picking them up, picking up on. It's just another thing to learn. They're again 24 and 25 years old. They have a lot to learn. So, and they've shown that they can learn things. We saw Tatum learn a bunch throughout the season alone how to be a better playmaker, how to be a better just player. We saw him grow so much. I don't want to hear anything bad about those two and how they can't play together. It's stupid. The other thing the Celtics need is an actual point guard. Love you, Marcus Smart. I will, I mm, talked about it all year. There has been a great need for a point guard on this team. They ha- yep. He has had great moments of being a point guard, but he's not an actual point guard who can f- facilitate. He has – everyone's going to say, oh, my gosh, what about game one in the first round when he had the great pass to Jason Tatum? Great, great decision-making. Proud of him. Good job. Eight, nine out of ten times he's taking that jump shot. So the one time he didn't do it was just the perfect time not to do it. So what I'll say is this. I have, a, I have a Malcolm Brogdon trade ready to rip and roll whenever we want to do, <laughs> if we want to even go into that. So Good luck. Malcolm, I know, Malcolm Brogdon, well, he actually is able to be traded now this offseason, so happy, happy man about that. So if we can make that, not for Marcus Smart, but that's for another time in another podcast, but that's my Celtics take right now, and I am done being negative about them. What I will also say is this, I was happy it wasn't a, like a close game, otherwise my eyes would have just been actually cried out. I was happy it was kind of like a semi blowout because it didn't hurt as much that way. Because I was like, okay, I can at least just sit here while I'm losing money in poker, but also because I was playing poker during game six, but also losing money doing that while also just being really sad. The fact that like, like it was just like, okay, I don't have to be like stressing out that the Celtics might lose the finals. I'm like, all right, I'm already at peace. The Celtics are going to lose the finals. Just knew it was going to happen. After the second quarter, I was like, all right. Yeah. It's it's a tough situation because for me, I made a lot of observations about who this team is, particularly Jason Tatum. And I think a lot of people are probably unfair in their takes based on the recency bias of how he performed in this finals. I mean, it was probably the worst series he's had, uh, definitely in this playoffs, but uh, in, in a long time we've seen from him. I mean, his, his youth showed. I also thought his body language was really bad in game six, like Jalen oh, Brown. Yeah. Continue to go at it. Al Horford continued to go at it. Rob Williams continued to go at it. But with Jason Tatum and even a little bit of Marcus Smart, they sort of became a little bit, you know, non, not as engaged in the game, particularly Jason Tatum. And I think there were multiple times where Jalen Brown got in his face on the sideline and was like, man, you got, got to wake up a little bit as Jalen Brown kept on going at it. And even if Brown made mistakes, I think you're able to live with that a little bit if you're as engaged as he was. Um, so that's one thing that I think was a little bit off-putting about just seeing Jason Tatum out there not looking as intense as, as you would expect him to be in that sort of environment. And I think you can put a lot of 
reasons into that as to why you can throw the possible injury out there that might have still been affecting him. You can put the fatigue out there. Um, you can put that they're just crawling back from a deficit and the Warriors probably had them beat. But I think generally, you know, you would love your star player not to look like he's been put in the doghouse and is pouting during the most important game of the entire season. So that was a little bit off-putting. Um, the second thing I would say about the Celtics that was one food for thought for me is taking a step back and thinking about how successful this young team has even been right. going to four conference finals since they've had this core. Uh, I mean, you had Kyrie Irving, Gordon Hayward, different guys, Isaiah Thomas, different guys here and there, but the main guys of Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown being there, Marcus Smart being there. Uh, they've been to four Eastern conference finals. This was the first time they got over that hump first finals appearance, but the fact that they've even done this when Jason Tatum is 24 years old, is a pretty, pretty awesome accomplishment. And I think there's something to be said for, you know, considering this team to be a dynasty and expecting them to get back to the finals year after year. I think that's probably a little bit immature considering how good the bucks are. Um, And we didn't even see them with Chris Middleton this year in the playoffs. Right. And they still took the Celtics to seven. Like it's the East goes through the bucks for the next five years in my mind, if the, if their core remains together. So that's something the Celtics are going to have to deer deal with year in and year out. But the fact that they have that experience is awesome, regardless of the outcome. So I think in that sense, you should be optimistic. However, some pessimism regarding Tatum's body language, as well as Rob Williams health. I mean, yeah, would love to see Rob Williams healthy for a full year. I'm very skeptical that that's ever going to happen. It's just how active he is, his body type, like he's going to deal with injuries. And one thing that I mean, obviously, I'd love that he played through this injury and he played great, even not at 100%, but you hope he doesn't have any long-term repercussions from playing through this injury. I saw Isaiah Thomas quote tweeting and said, yeah, heard heard that one before. Um, I'm going to ignore that because I'm just going to ignore that tweet without my heart and soul. (laughs) So all to say is let's hope Rob Williams is at a healthy level next time a situation like like this pops up because – we even saw skills of his that weren't easily visible before, like his passing ability. He had a couple of awesome passes in game six. I mean, he's got a ton of talent. He shoots the shoots free throws really well for a big man, um, which is pretty rare as well for his size and what he does. Obviously, everything he does on the defensive end. Um, and he'll round out his offensive game. So he's super valuable. He needs to stay healthy. But generally, I think there are some things that I'm worried about with the Celtics team, but you have to be positive based on their recent track record and just how young this core is. So I think generally, even though it's a sad day for you and all the Celtics fans, you have to be feeling pretty good about where you stand. Absolutely. Um, You brought up a point I hadn't really even thought about. I compare Rob Williams to younger Lob City version DeAndre Jordan. Hmm. If you think about it, I mean, he was just the same kind of, I mean, a little better because like he could actually like- A lot better. Yeah, Rob Williams can at least hit mid-range jump shots and at least make free throws. Um, but, I mean, DeAndre Jordan also had injury issues like this, and that's what's going to bother me because this has been yep. Rob Williams' MO since he's been in the NBA. He's going to have injury issues. He didn't yep. play – like most, I mean, he only played like a few games his rookie year because of how hurt he was. So, I am always going to be pessimistic about that. But I will agree with you. I am optimistic about this team's future. I think there are a few moves that need to be made. Um, I don't – but I think the core of it still needs to stay the same. I agree with you about Tatum's body language, and that's going to be the thing that I think Ime 
his yep. first year and we saw a lot of changes with the and i think he may will be working with that mostly next year so i'm excited there's a lot to work with but i agree there's a lot to be optimistic about as well so Celtics fans, do not worry. I will be not crying myself to sleep. And I have not yet about that, at least. But um, we, we, we will be all right. Do you think the Celtics are the number two team in your mind in the East going into next year, the way things are currently constructed behind the Bucks? Yes, because if I could go down the list right now, I do not trust the Heat in any sort of situation. They're, they could blow up any second now. I mean, literally, they... Unless, I, yeah, and, unless they get somebody like a Donovan Mitchell of that caliber. Right. So that's the thing. You could literally have something so incredible like that, or even like, God forbid, KD goes to Miami because the Nets, because then go to the next team. The Nets look just like a complete crap show right now. The Sixers, who the heck knows what you're going to get from James Harden every night. Um, Hawks, you're never going to trust anyone on that team. Plus, I feel like they're going to make a move, a few big moves this offseason. Cavs, too young. When it's not a chance, I mean, we have a coach not come there um, yeah, who weird. backs out of it. I I have my own takes on that, but that's for another time too. But I yeah, think I, I I think they're the number two team as things are currently constructed. I think there's absolutely. wiggle yeah, room sorry. for the Heat. Um, I think the Bucks are the number one team right now. Oh, in, yeah. In, I, in I, I I wanted to, I wanted I wanted to text you and say just put a hundred bucks in the Heat to I mean the hundred bucks in the Bucks to win next year. Yeah, because I mean, right now they have even uh, longer shot odds than the Celtics do. At least when I first looked uh, the Celtics were among the favorites. Which I, I was I mean, kind of surprised to buy. People will just forget how ridiculously good Chris Milton was during that. Yeah. I mean, finals run last year. So that's whatever. We don't even need to go into that. We don't need to talk about the past. And so we're going to be done talking about the past at the NBA finals. And we're just going to move on uh, to another I guess we are going to still talk about the past. Uh, so we're going to move on. We're going to take a quick break, but we're going to come back, and Aaron's going to give us his playoff series rankings, and uh, we're going to go through that. We'll be right back. We are back. Um, so we're still going to talk about the playoffs, but Aaron and I th- – Aaron thought it'd be a cool idea, and I totally agreed with him, uh, to just rank the playoffs uh, this past year, just this different series uh, that went on. So 1 to 15, um, this is a cool idea. It'll be a great opportunity just to, to kind of look back at this playoffs a little bit um, because this was a playoffs of a lot of fun series and a lot of uh, boring series. And so it will be – there was there were very few happy mediums <laughs> within there, but uh, I'm excited yep. to see what you have for us. Yeah, let's let's start with the best series, in my opinion, of the entire playoffs. Let's see if you agree with me. I have round two, Milwaukee, Boston yeah, as the, yep. the, be- the best series at the playoffs. Went seven games. Four games were decided by single digits. Four wins by road teams. Uh, that was the most intriguing storyline to me was home court, despite how raucous every single crowd was, uh, was really not a factor. Um we saw unique storylines in every single game. We had the Jason Tatum 40-plus points on the road, um, essentially saving the Celtics from elimination. We had the Al Horford game, biting back on Giannis, yelling in his face um, after a dunk or a block. Um, that was pretty exciting. We had role players step up for both sides. Obviously, Giannis was otherworldly, and we saw just how great he is without Chris Middleton. Drew Holiday stepped up. Um and I just thought it was an awesome series of two iconic franchises. So 
that was that was my favorite series. We had some blowouts in there, we've done, um, but overall, more tight games than not, and really, really high-level basketball. It was the series that cemented Giannis as the best player in the NBA. You're going up yep. against one of the best defenses in NBA history, and you gave him all of the hell you could get. And you, while you still lost, you were doing it without, like you said, your second best player on your team. So I incredible, I totally agree with that take. I think this was the intro to what how how good Giannis can totally be, especially when he has a full cast around him. So totally agree with this. And I feel like that should be everyone's pick if we're doing this kind of like rankings. Yeah. I mean, I feel like when you start, you're saying the best series out there, more often than not, you're going to pick any game that's a seven-game series. So mm. there are only a handful to go around, right? Um, I think literally only two. No, three. Three options. Um, you had the Suns, Mavs, right? And then you had the two Celtics series. I think those were all that went seven games. There was no first-round ones? No, we also had the uh, Grizzlies um... – no, that went six. What Grizzlies Timberwolves went six? Went six. Oh, I apologize then. Yeah, they closed. They closed it out in six. Um, Fair enough. They, well, then yes, I think this is a. Uh, yeah, I think this is the best pick of all. So yeah, I mean, you you got to look at game sevens. I also did a little bit of mental waiting, nothing specific, of round one versus round two versus Eastern Conference, Western Conference Finals versus Finals. I feel like the magnitude of the stage played a factor in these as well. But I tried to focus more so on the quality of basketball and just the exciting part of the series. So that was number one, Milwaukee versus Boston in round two. My second favorite series, in my opinion, was the Memphis-Minnesota round one series. Love it. That went six games, uh, but you could make a very well a good case, and Andrew Carlson, our friend, will do so, that Minnesota should have won that series. Uh, they were tied 2-2. They stole game one at, uh, on the road. Uh, but then they lost games five and six after being tied 2-2. They choked a 26-point lead in game three at home, uh, ended up losing that game. They had another big lead in game four, barely squeaked that out, one-point win at home. Game five, had a double-digit lead in the fourth quarter, ended up losing that game on a John Morant game-winning layup. Game six, led by double digits again at home, and lost that game uh, by eight points. They were up so many times in this series and the, the Grizzlies just came back, man. They are, these were, this was like the Spider-Man meme where it was basically the same damn team pointing at each other. They had all the same flaws, all the same strength, except John Morant was the best player on the floor. Um, and the Grizzlies just seemed a bit more mentally tough and experienced on the stretch. And that's what won them the series. But it was a very, very exciting series, fast-paced basketball, lots of trash talking. Um, and a lot of great athleticism and shot making. So I thought this was the second best series of the playoffs. And people forget, you know, Pat Bev was coming out of that play-in game thinking he had just won the tournament, crying his ass off. Yes. (laughs) And, hey, this boosted his media career, man. I mean, this totally boosted Pat Bev's media career, which I I hope it dies in a a burning fire. I really just don't want it to ever exist anymore. (laughs) It it truly annoys me. But I will agree with you, this is – the, the amount of comebacks, because this was also a series of road teams winning games, wasn't yep. it? I, I mean, there was like three or four of those I mean, that were road wins. And so I, I think this was a great series. It was a lot of fun. Um, I still remember, I mean, I, I watched, I made it a point to watch all these games. And this was fun because you got to see the rise and fall of Anthony Edwards because he had great games. He had some bad ones. 
You also saw how inconsistent Cat was, which is great. You also saw you also got to see the um, reason why the Warriors traded D'Angelo Russell, and it, it, it shows. And so they 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 won that trade. Let people for, not forget. So I am I totally agree with you on this pick. So I love that as number two. Yep, there were three uh, road wins in this series. Thank you, including a game winner. Obviously, had big comebacks. Now. There was some sloppy basketball in here. Oh, yeah. Not going to overlook that. But in general, just in terms of a fan, even if you're not even like a diehard basketball fan that's watching Kings Wizards on a a Thursday night on NBA League Pass, you're going to flip on this game and really enjoy it. So um, that was a great series. That was my number two. Number three was the NBA Finals. We talked about it. Boston Golden State. Um, The Number three. As I said, the, the, the magnitude of the stage played a role here. But I thought the first half of the series especially was great. Um, game one was awesome. Like, that was an oh, yeah. incredible, incredible game. Game two was a lot of fun, too. Um, just seeing the war- Right, but the Warriors' third was quarter fun? was amazing <laughs> on that stage. And also the first half was competitive. I think it was decided by one or two points in the first half of that game. Game three was a, a really fun game as well. Uh, game four was awesome. And then five and six kind of stunk. But um, the, the first four games were really good. It was the NBA Finals. Uh, I don't know. That that definitely played a factor, but I put that number three here. I really had nothing else to say. There's, I'm interested. There was two I'm thinking of right now, so yep. that are that could have been ahead of it. So maybe the magnitude that it was the NBA Finals maybe made the difference. So I'm excited to see who you have next. Yep, and Boston is really owning uh, a lot of these upper upper series here. Uh, my number four though is Phoenix and New Orleans, round one. That's what uh, that, that was going to be the one I really thought should have passed. But okay, go on. Yep. Let's hear it. Phoenix, New Orleans was round one, uh, was my number four. Went six games, but honestly, having the number one seed being so dominant as the Phoenix Suns were, we both picked them as our NBA champions. Hell, half of America, if not more, picked the Phoenix right. Suns as their NBA champions. And to see them almost get eliminated by the eight seed, who had to win two games in the playing series to even just get a shot at getting mm-hmm. in the playoffs. Um, and then to be as competitive as they were, yes, Devin Booker was out. But even to see the Suns without Devin Booker was really exciting basketball. Chris Paul had his back against the wall. He had a game where he literally didn't miss a shot in game six on the road. We saw the New Orleans fan base, which has been sort of, you know, discredited and sort of, you know, imaged as a, a lack of an NBA fan base. People have talked about, Let's move this team out of New Orleans. But they really showed out, and that was a really, really fun and loud playoff environment. Uh, and we also got to see these guys like Brandon Ingram on this type of stage and people who thought, including myself, that he was kind of just a bad bad team, good stats guy. I mean, he showed up and was big. CJ McCollum in a new uniform was fun. And seeing all the different young players for New Orleans as well, the Herb Joneses of the world, um, obviously Jose Alvarado, the the ever-present pest. It was just a very fun series and storylines. Obviously, Monty Williams, the former coach of the New Orleans Hornets with Chris Paul coming back. Right. Um, lot, lots of great storylines, and it was really, really fun. I, I thought at some points in the series that the Pelicans could win, uh, which was pretty scary. So that in itself, uh, you know, makes it makes it a top five series for me. The I totally agree with you because just well there was the Devin Booker injury that kind of it, it hurts it, it hurt it a little bit it made this series more fun 
And that's what, like, absolutely you hit on the nail on the head. It was yep. just, it made it a lot more enjoyable because it was the thought process of like, oh my gosh, this indestructible team that we had the Suns, could they actually lose? Yeah, they can actually lose, but it was the next round. So it was just whatever. It's true. Um, and the first two games, I mean, the Suns were amazing, right? Uh, right. I mean, we, th- we thought they were going to roll in this series. Uh, or Sorry, they lost the second game, but the first game especially, they were just dominant. Second game they lost because Devin Booker was out. Um, and then it sort of went back and forth until games five and six. Um, but the, the Pelicans home crowd was awesome. And I think it's a team now that we look at in a lot different light going into next year as a team that might be competitive. So, Especially um, with Zion. Yeah, and they didn't even have probably the most transcendent athlete on their team on their team. So really exciting stuff from that series. That was number four. Number five, another Boston series, Boston, Miami. Uh around uh Eastern Conference Finals. Uh went seven games. Um some ugly basketball here and there, but uh I thought it was pretty exciting. Had some tight games. Miami somehow was in this series late. I thought Boston had their foot on their throat and was going to take the series and have weeks and weeks of rest going into the finals. But Jimmy Butler said, no, he looked hurt. He looked dead and he pulled himself up and was incredible. I mean, his game five, six and seven performance was amazing game seven. He brought them back, almost had the chance to win with that uh, three point shot that just ended up a bit short. So even that storyline in and of itself, um, that shot that almost was, uh, is is an awesome series. Went seven games, as I said, lots of road victories as well. Um, and great play from the Celtics as well, um, despite some despite some injuries here and there. I think Marcus Smart missed a few games. Rob Williams missed a few games. Yeah. Jason Tatum injured his shoulder in there as well. So it wasn't a perfect series, but very entertaining nonetheless. Just two really gritty defensive teams that I, I liked seeing. Yeah, I completely agree. I was going to say, all f- – of course, I'm biased, but the four Boston series are were great series, no yep. matter what you think. So, I think it'd be crazy if this one didn't make the top uh, top seven at least. So, I'm happy they made the top five. And Boston has the next one as well. Boston, Brooklyn, round one. Okay. Okay, cool. I, I'm just a little pissed that one of my series hasn't even like I had one series that was supposed to be past the NBA Finals in front of the NBA Finals, and it hasn't been named yet. But we're gonna keep growing. Interesting. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm excited to hear which one that is. Um, you're going to say, Aaron, you're crazy. This was a sweep. Um, I'm not going to say you're crazy. I think this is a great series. I think that just wasn't this the only sweep in the NBA playoffs. I think it was. Yeah, it was. Um, this was the only, only sweep in the NBA playoffs because the Hawks somehow won a fucking game in that series. Well, that and, and the, the Raptors, Raptors and the Raptors the came back. They won two. That's right. They did win two. Um, People forget. I forgot. Yeah. So Boston, Brooklyn sweep. The whole series was separated by 18 points. The most competitive sweep of all time. Uh, obviously, game one was amazing. Right. It looked like Brooklyn stole it. All of a sudden, Marcus Smart does the least Marcus Smart thing of all time and passes up an open shot and passes to his teammate, Jason Tatum, who takes a spinning layup, also got fouled on that play, uh, made it at the buzzer. And then the, the Nets are coming back in game two. They're like, all right, we're going to even up the series. I think I even probably bet on them. I'm like, there's no way they go down 0-2 with these two guys. Right. Celtics win again. Um, and the story of this series was just seeing Kevin Durant 
get completely bottled up. I thought at some point he was going to bust out for 40 uh, and he just, it never happened for him. He was incredibly inefficient shots that typically go down for him. Yes, they're contested, but it seemed like the Celtics length and athleticism got to him a bit more. He wasn't able to handle the ball at all. Um, Saw him a week later. (laughs) There was a clip that surfaced of him doing ball handling drills um, a week after they got eliminated. Clearly it's something he's going to keep in mind after this series. I thought it was really entertaining. The storylines, all the Kyrie Irving debacle as well, coming back to Boston was great. Um, I mean, this was the most highly anticipated round one series. And even though it was a sweep by game four, I was kind of over it. I'll admit, Um, even though that was only a four point win, although the outcome of that series was pretty much well in hand. Um, I was a little bit over the series, but the first three games especially were, were freaking awesome. So I had this one number six. You're not going to have no argument for me. The other thing I was thinking about was just the revenge of Boston against Kyrie. So that's the, that was yep. what was also needed. So um, you, you said it perfectly earlier, probably the most competitive sweep that there, that there's been. So uh, I like this pick a lot. The next series I had was Phoenix and Dallas. I'm still waiting on my death. Okay. Wow. This is. Don't spoil it at this point. Um, Phoenix and Dallas round two. Um, I hesitated on this one because it went seven. And I think I had it so high because of the outcome was so surprising to me, especially the way it happened in game seven. But there were so many blowouts in this series. Right. That's why I would have had it much lower on my list because of how many there were. Outside of game seven, there weren't any road wins. The home team just dominated. Really? Uh, 2-0. Suns won in pretty convincing fashion. Oh, yeah. Won by seven in game one. But that's misleading because they were up by 20 until they put their bench in uh, in game one. Game two, they won by 20. Game three, Mavericks turned it around. um, And what I thought was maybe going to be Suns go up 3-0, let's just take care of business and get on to the next round. They end up uh, losing to the Mavs by nine. Mavs won by 10 in game four. Then there's a blowout for the Suns at home in game five by 30 points. Then, all right, let's see if the Suns can win a road game and close out this series. Nope, they get blown out again. 27 points by the Mavs at home, and then the biggest blowout of them all, 33 points on the road, Mavs victory. And what we now think, the Suns, some players in the Suns had COVID, uh, probably hit it so they could play that game. And clearly they were not themselves, and they got blown out at home. So, just the storyline of Phoenix losing in the fashion that they did, I felt like deserved to be on this list, but I understand if you had disagreements based on the spread in these games, as well as just the lack of competitiveness by road teams. That. And also game seven was much more than 33 at one point. Let's just like, not forget that it was That's almost like 50. Also true. Like that 50, was like almost 50. Yeah. yeah. 50 points at one point. So what I'll say is that it was a blowout every game and I hated it. And like it was no fun to watch after the second quarter, after this, and that's when I like would, that's when I knew like I could turn off the game, and because it was always a late game, I could just turn it off, go to bed, and not be not be mad about it. So I was like, okay, cool. This is my early time to go to bed. So, not a big fan of that, but I'm, I'll live with it. Games three and four. Hold on one second. I'm so sorry. Love ESPN. I don't know if you can hear that, but ESPN was just blasting music in my ear. <laughs> um, that's happened to me like four times. This is absolutely mindless. Um, but I was going to say the other point of this is just Luka Doncic. 
being absolutely incredible in this series. Uh, against the Warriors, he did have two 40-point performances, but it wasn't like the Sun series, uh, the way he played in this. I mean, he was absolutely fantastic, and I think just seeing a glimpse of him on that type of stage, he finally made it past the first round this year, right. and then to make it past the second round, essentially by himself with a cast of misfits, um, was also a really awesome storyline. So he really submitted himself to me as like, for sure, a top 10 guy in this league. Um, and going forward, possibly the most talented offensive player uh, all around going forward. So I, I thought just seeing Luke on the stage was pretty awesome too. Being able to get around guys like Mikhail Bridges, who we thought was a defensive player of the year candidate. Right. No, you're absolutely right. He, it's crazy what can happen whenever you take some dead weight off your team, such as Christoph Porzingis. So, you know, hopefully Christian Wood is not like that for them, which still a crazy trade. But that's that's for, again, we have like 18 things that we've said on this podcast that are for another pod, but we'll get there. (laughs) For another pod. Um, Let's see if this is your one. I have a feeling it's not going to be. Um, Miami, Philadelphia. No, get out of here. What is happening? Oh my God. Now you're just making me mad. I feel like you just, you know what it is. You're just making me mad. No, I honestly don't. I'm concerned where, what series you're talking about. Um, Anyways, Philadelphia, Miami. Wait, this is cracked the top 10? Number eight. Dude, we only have 15. 15. I know. I mean, top 10 doesn't mean much when you have only 15. I know. I'm telling you, I would have had this at number 11. I mean, this is. I, I'm thinking of – all right, no, let's go. I, I'm now right. just very baffled about this. This, from a storyline perspective, was amazing. James Harden, is he dead or is he not dead? Dead. I He's dead. <laughs> but he had a glimpse where the whole media world was freaking out that they thought, oh, my God, is James Harden back? Are the Philadelphia 76ers going to win an NBA title? I sat back. I didn't listen – as soon as I heard that on one podcast – I didn't listen to a single NBA podcast the rest of the week because I knew every single one was saying the same thing. I didn't buy it at all. Heat win game five, convincingly win game six on the road. And James Harden was a shell of himself in both those games. Yes, he had two good games uh, at home in game three and four when Embiid was back, um, back in the lineup. He missed the first two games of the series, which obviously swung it in the Heat's favor. But I really liked just seeing the Heat on uh, you know, actually play against a decent opponent in the Hawks uh, after the Hawks series, which the Hawks were just outmatched, weren't physical enough, weren't skilled enough, didn't play any sort of defense. That series outcome was decided from before game one, in my opinion. So it was awesome to see them against this type of team, especially when Embiid came back. And also the whole James Harden storyline was awesome. Um, Plus we saw great Jimmy Butler. Um, Jimmy Butler continued his great playoff performance. So I thought, I thought that was pretty exciting to watch. So I had this at number eight. I'm I'm just <laughs> still baffled, but here's what I'll say: the James Harden storyline does ha- help. It's the Stephen A. effect. It's the Stephen A. of like, oh my God, James Harden's going to be the man, the myth, the legend. Holy crap! I mean, it's just I'm, I don't know. I'm sorry. Like, sounds you sound no, like Sylvester from Looney Tunes. I was thinking it was Daffy Daffy Duck from Looney or Tunes. Or that? Yeah. I was the, the, the no. Who's the Yes, Daffy Duck. That's what I'm thinking. Of. I was going to say Donald Duck. That's just the completely opposite world. Um, Daffy Duck. But my point is this: James Harden is still dead, and no one should be able to like. No one. He's not even a top twenty player in the NBA right now. So that's my other thought. All right, good, good. You're good. You're good with it. 
Oh, I'm good with it. Uh, I'm fine. I'll live with it. The fact that you have it at number eight, but you know, whatever. Okay. Let's see. Let's see if we get here. Um, the next series I have. <laughs> I'm so worried this is going to be number I mean, it, if it's not it, I will be really shocked. Memphis and Golden State. Thank you. My God. I mean, how did it make this far? I honestly <sighs> didn't think this was that this intriguing of a series. We didn't have John Morant. For four, for oh, okay, we didn't have him for two games. We didn't have him for two games. We didn't have John Morant for two games. You're right. Um, I mean, you, he, game one and game two were incredible. Game three started all the pettiness, which has carried on since then and, and, and past the finals. Now, I feel like that is. I feel like that has a little bit more weight to it. But that's just also me. Well, here's here's my thing though: is that yeah. the outcome for me was never in doubt in this series. It was the Warriors were going to win this series. Okay. Um, they barely won game one on the road after the Grizzlies had literally one day of rest coming off of the Timberwolves series, which I thought was pretty surprising. I mean, obviously, this Grizzlies team had a lot of fight. They ended up in an elimination game at home, beating the um, Golden State Warriors. They were up by 50 at one point. Yeah. They ended up beating them by, what was it, 39 points. Something crazy. Um, in game five, and then lost in game six despite being up for a long time uh-huh. uh, and almost winning on the road in game four without John Morant. Right. So the rest of the Grizzlies team was very admirable, but I wouldn't say it was good basketball to watch. Um, I would say it was pretty unappealing. Uh, I'm tired of seeing Dylan Brooks taking 20 shots a game. That is very, that is very similar. I totally agree with him. Jaron Jackson shooting with two hands and crossing his hands across each other while he shoots a three pointer um, and it's either going to, you don't, you don't know the outcome of that shot when you shoot it. It is like the least predictable three pointer ever. Um, seeing guys like Tyus Jones step up was fun. Desmond Bain was also hurt during the series, did not get a good Desmond Bain performance throughout it. Um, and the, it was just the Warriors just had way, way too much talent, way more experience. The outcome was set in stone for me. I, I mean, and not a lot of these games were, were super competitive. Um, I mean, the Warriors, Let's see. They won by 30 uh, on their home court. Uh, obviously, we talked about that Grizzlies big win. And then game six was also a blowout. So I don't know. I, I wasn't super intrigued by the series. Two things. One, if we're talking about, I mean, the thing is, I mean, Dallas and Phoenix just had as many blowouts. There were there were no close games in that series. This one at least had two games where John Morant was at the rim for a game winning shot. That's that's that, and you okay. had road teams winning. Okay, but Phoenix and Dallas went seven games, and the number one seed got knocked out. Yeah, in this series, the number two seed got knocked out. I'm I, I'm not just I'm two versus three, mm, one, one versus, versus four. I mean, it's, versus, it's it's it, I don't want to. Even, we're not comparing. One versus this. four is a bigger gap. And it's thank and you, it's Captain the, Obvious, for the math. I'm proud of you. <laughs> and it's also the best regular season team. It, they were so dominant, and then they lost to a team that had never made it out of the first round. Under Both the current leadership of Luca, right? You're right. This team also, the also the difference. Well, actually, both series both had like 50 point games at one point, so that was the other thing. But I, I just enjoyed it because one, the thing that carried that still carried over. The talk was still carrying over from after even after that series. So that's we only heard about that now. Like that was like no, John Moran still t- was tweeting about it throughout the. I mean, I mean, the he was tweeting about everything. I don't know this Memphis team. 
it, it's it, a year away. It's a year yeah, away. Yeah, it was just a little bit immature for me at this stage. I knew they weren't going to win, so I was I was kind of not paying attention to it as much. I'll, I'll say that much. Um, so they they were number nine. I'm okay. glad I'm glad we got it in the top ten for you. Philadelphia and Toronto, number 10. Why is this not the bottom three? I mean, what a crappy series this was, but whatever, fine. Down 3-0. Toronto's dead. Everybody was picking Toronto. Oh, my God. They're dead. It was the trendiest upset. You picked them in the first round. And all of a sudden, they win two games in a row, and people were thinking – is this going to be another Doc Rivers choke job? That's, <laughs> I, that's I will say I was on that trade. I was on that, that trade. storyline was so entertaining. The first three games of this series were dog shit. Game four and game five were very fun. Game six was really great for the first half, and then the Sixers just blew them out, which was tough in Toronto to see. I thought it was going to a game seven for sure. Um, but the fact that Toronto even stood a chance to come back from 3-0 and the type of team they were was fun just because they never gave up. Uh, and they basically had no talent in comparison to Philly. So um, we saw also a Philly Joel Embiid game winner that turnaround three. Who would have thought? Great. Hey, um, in Toronto, he made up for his Western is uh, his semifinal loss. Wait, no, that doesn't. That's not the same thing. I need people to get off that train too. Kawhi Leonard won the series. Terry Maxey performing on a big stage. Cool. Do it against the do it, the, do it against a better team like Miami. Pascal Siakam. Uh, after being left for dead by, by Aaron Carter, <laughs> I uh, I want to I want to be known. I was all on the Pascal Siakam train. I shat on him in my entire life up until we did the power forward rankings. I'm like, wait a second, what am I doing with my life? Scotty Barnes probably being the most valuable rookie. I think we learned a lot about both of these teams in this series. I thought it was pretty entertaining. Yes, three zero, unfortunate start to the series, but I think it got turned around pretty quickly. And the fact that there was even a hint of a team coming back from 3-0 was exciting. So I had this number 10. Okay, that's fine. I, uh, whatever. I'll just – Did I convince I'll, you a little bit more? Not a clue, but it's it, not a chance. Okay. But it's okay. I'll live, we'll live to fight another day. Actually, you know what? I'm thinking about the, t- the series that are left. Yes, exactly. Just wait until we get to the rest of these. Well, so okay. let's can we just blow through these next like five? Just we don't need to like the only the here. only case you could make for replacing this last the last one we talked about is this one, in my opinion. And maybe the next two. Dallas, Utah, round one. Yeah, fun series. Nothing crazy. Fun series. Luca was hurt, ended up coming back. Once he came back and I saw the way they were playing, I mean, I won a ton of money on the Dallas Mavericks. It was the Jalen Brunson show. It was the Jalen Brunson show. But they they were so tough. We talked about this a lot with Evan. We were confident, tied up 1-1, and even down 2-1, that Dallas was going to win this series. We had some close games in there. Um, Bogdan Bogdanovich missed that game six potential game tire to send it to game seven. Um, we had the questions and, uh, you know, drama of the Utah Jazz, which is now coming to the forefront with Quinn Schneider stepping down, Gobert or Mitchell on the trade block. Uh, lots of stuff going on. They just released some new uniforms, by the way, throwing it back to the purples. I don't know if they you look saw great. I, I will say this. They logo. Look, they look I'm into it. great. Um, but that didn't save them in the series. Luca no. finally got to pass the first round too, which I thought was a, a fun thing to watch. Um, he was pretty dominant. So that was number 11 for me. Any thoughts? No, it's, it's fine. We can just roll through these last few ones. Number 12, Dallas Golden State, Western Conference Finals. Yeah, it, I mean, it was a fun series. Congrats. To disgusting. The- disgusting series. Yeah, I don't know why I said it was fun. It was terrible. <laughs> I don't, it, was, it was no fun to watch. Uh, Golden State controlled the entire thing. Uh, I mean, 
congratulations, the Mavs didn't get swept. They had some level of dignity winning game four. He was terribly inefficient. Um, and also the Mavs defense was just overwhelmed in this series. The, the Warriors were just too good. Um, it was really bad for a conference finals matchup. It was so, no fun. In comparison to the Eastern Conference finals, especially. Right. So number 12 for me, only reason it was ahead of these other ones probably is because of just the magnitude of the series. Okay. Number 13, Miami, Atlanta. Uh, best part of the series was the bad part was just the heat getting shut down, uh, shutting down Trey young. I mean, that was a masterful, masterful defensive performance. And I loved it. And I know you did too. <laughs> Aaron, me and you, our Trey young hatred just really came out that series and it was just so much fun to be a part of it. So thank That's you. The, the only time I ever really cared about the heat. Trey young shot 32% from the Love field, it. 18% from three. He had a minus 11.6 plus minus and yes, averaged over six turnovers per game alone. Yes, he, he was did. horrendous. I talked about it the whole time. They were just hedging, soft hedging, soft doubling him the entire time. Then they hard doubled him out of nowhere. Um, he was just in fits and the, there were no other Hawks around that could support. The other fun part about the series was the return of Victor Oladipo. Yes. Um, very happy to see him back after his big injury and obviously Jimmy Butler was otherworldly. Um, so I thought that was, I mean, despite a five game series where the outcome was never in doubt, I thought there were some good aspects there. So number 13. Okay. Now we get into the bottom two. I, I mean, the, the four, uh, there's a clear order here. I want you to know there's a clear order here. Golden state, Denver. That was 14. not the order we're going with. Golden state, Denver was number 14. I guess golden state did lose a game. They lost a game. That's both the, both these series went five. The last two did. Um, and if you don't know what the 15th one is, then you just haven't been paying attention. So I'm not going to spell it out attention. for you now. I I, um, I know what it is. <laughs> both, both were terrible series. The one game they won was just, thank God they had their best player play the game. Thank God right. that DeMar DeRozan played for the Bulls that night. Yep. Uh, Golden, Golden State. They, there was no chance that Denver was winning this series. No. I should have I should have thrown my entire bank account on it, but I couldn't get myself to bet against uh, Denver. Um, what a dumb choice. Even I, I did individual games, but I just couldn't I couldn't do it. Um, Jokic was just so outmatched, but even for him, it wasn't incredible. It wasn't an incredible series for him. I mean, he played fine for his standards. He averaged in every category as he always does. But honestly, I was a bit underwhelmed. Um, by his performance, uh, except for one, their one game one win. Um, and then even though the last three games were all single digit affairs, it, the outcome was never in doubt, um, that it was going to go the Warriors way. So right. it wasn't super intriguing. Honestly, it was more so depressing for me. So number 14, I'm sorry, buddy. 15 Milwaukee, Chicago round one, no uh, fun. zero fun was had during this series. I think this was the series we were the most confident in, uh, picking, in Milwaukee honestly could have been a sweep if Milwaukee didn't fuck around in game two. And we had the DeMar DeRozan 42 point game, which was pretty awesome to see. Um, I will say, but other than that, the bulls were just unwatchable. They shot 20% from three as a team. Uh, and then the final game when they were eliminated in game five, they took 52, three pointers. <laughs> Aaron, it was no fun to watch. I, I just, we, we don't bulls. What? I, you need to make some sort of move this offseason. It's got a, his name is Nikola Vucevic. He needs to no longer be on your basketball team. Get Gobert. That'd be fun. God, that sounds miserable. Uh, their defense, though. Gobert, Ball, Caruso. Yeah, issue. Can we keep Lonzo Ball on the basketball court? Also, 
two things before we go any farther. I, I, I you, you brought up the Tyus Jones like breakout during this playoffs. Some dumbass wrote an article saying that the Celtics should trade for Tyus Jones because he's their point guard of the future. Oh, Lick my butthole. The other thing was the thing that you sent me about Lonzo Ball has the potential to be better than Jason Tatum. Who said that? Skip Bayless, Skip Bayless. dumbass. Yeah, Fox. Fox. You have the worst sports analyst <laughs> on God's green earth. You have Colin Cowherd, Nick Wright, and that dumbass named freaking Skip Bayless. Get their asses out of here. They I don't. Do, I actually don't mind Shannon Sharp. Shannon Sharp's great. That's fine. Also, also like Kevin Wild, who's yep, on. I was gonna say, yep. Kevin, Kevin, Kevin Wild's great. Good. Totally fine. Colin Cowherd is the dumbest. <laughs> I the dumbest mf'er on God's green earth. Nick Wright can only come whenever he thinks of LeBron James, and then only, <laughs> and, and Skip Bayless can't think of anything else but to talk about Dallas Cowboys for the rest of his life. So I can just be done with their asses for the rest of my day. Oh, God, wow. I hate them. God, I hate them. <laughs> just like Fox News, you're all dumb. Yeah, it's just the whole that man uh it's and they really lost bad. buck and aikman so it's like come on you just can't yeah how are you that dumb oh my hey, buck. god hey, man uh um anyways fox as abysmal as the bulls in this series i would say yes yes good way to bring it back aaron also <laughs> other thing the bulls uh saw the injury of chris middleton occur in this series which i thought made the playoffs less fun so another knock on the series was that middleton got hurt <laughs> That was the one that brought it to 15. Yeah. It was it was the straw that broke the, the giant camel's back. Boy, was so, that a giant camel. That is the NBA series rankings. The I know you I, had thoughts yeah. on the Dallas Golden State series. Or sorry, Memphis Golden State series. Yeah, that was the only one I had the issue with was the fact that it made it that low. But it's whatever. I mean I think generally you were against the Philadelphia series being so high. Well, the Philly Miami one? Both of them. Well, yeah, because I hate Philly, but also just the fact that, like, I just didn't think there were any. The Philly Toronto series was fine. That I I just sh- shat on it because I thought it was way too close to what uh, Memphis Golden State was. I thought Memphis Golden State could probably be top five, but that was just me. I enjoyed it a lot more than you, clearly. So that's fine. Huh. Overall, fun what are we giving me eight, eight and a half, eight and a half out of ten for the rankings. You? Oh, yeah, I'll give you 9 out of 10. You did a good job. Oh, there we go. I'll take a but, 9. Yeah, there, there was only two mess-ups, and that's fine. There were 15 picks you had to go with there, and, you know, it's I can't do the quick math in my head. 13 out of 15. Yep. That's just over 85. So, I mean, it's whatever. We'll live with it. Um, better than Lightyear, which that will be a whole other conversation <laughs> whenever we get into movies. Just, listen, just a quick thing before we get into Serial and Bruise, and I'm not going to talk about movies during Serial and Bruise. If you like... If you liked Toy Story, go see Lightyear. That's totally fine. I love seeing and reminiscing. <laughs> if you weren't like the biggest Toy Story fan, wait till it comes out on Disney Plus. Totally fine. It's just a are we gonna blast of it. before we get into Serial Brews? Are we gonna give spoilers on the movies we saw? Because if so, we should probably preface now. We're gonna talk no. generally because I know I didn't see either of the movies you saw and you didn't see the movie I saw. Then no, we're not gonna talk about okay. those. We're just no spoil- we're, 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 we're no not gonna spoil. spoil. We're just gonna just do a nice little brief overview of what we'll do. But that's. So, yeah, for the people who are listening, we're not going to spoil anything we saw because we both saw three movies in the theaters this weekend. So that's another thing. But speaking of Stroud and Bruce, we're going to go. One more question. Switching gears. This whole podcast has been about the NBA playoffs, but one more question, which is the next NBA milestone in the near future is the NBA draft. Oh, yes. Which will be coming out two days after this podcast releases on June 23rd. 
we're going to have a live podcast for that episode that's going to go up the day after. So listen to that for instant reactions and fun times with Evan Sell. Who has uh, a team to ha- that has a top right. three pick. <laughs> Number two pick, right? Right. Um, so the only question I'm going to ask you on this podcast, if you're the Orlando, Orlando Magic, who are you taking number one? I'm or taking, are you trading? No, you're not trading it. You're dumb if you trade it. Um, you're taking Jabari Smith. Okay. I think you take Jabari Smith because you have 18 big men. I mean, they're all kind of big men, right? The top three. Yeah, but Smith can at least fluctuate from being a two to a four. Chet is oh. you're stuck at four or five. Paolo could stretch from three to three and four. I don't think you can really put him at five. I feel like if you're putting him at five, you're really stretching yourself because he's not going to guard centers and you can't put him at a two. So I think you, I think Javari has the most range when it comes to position wise. The difference is when you're thinking about the, the Orlando magic, they have ball handlers, whether or not they're good or not, totally different scenario. Cole, Cole Anthony's fine. These are also, I need people to get out of their brains about the fact that Auburn's guards were terrible. They were. Oh, my God. Can we stop talking about it, for the love of God? Jabari Smith had the ball in his hands. He could have done something with it. Yes, that's yeah. fine. I, I just think Smith is the best. When you're thinking about best player fit, I think that works well for Orlando getting Jabari Smith because then that gives Orlando, I mean Oklahoma City their best fit with of these top three picks, which would be Chet Holmgren at center, which that yep. is – that's what I think. That that's how I think it. That's how I think it should go. Of course, Orlando Magic have done stupid shit their entire draft career after after driving, uh, drafting Shaq and Chris Webber, which they ended up trading Chris Webber. Dumbasses. Um, just... I have Paulo. Interesting. Paulo Boncaro. I just think the Magic don't have that superstar right now. To me, Jabari Smith. I mean, obviously, he's a top three potential pick. He very well could go number one. He has superstar potential. But I think Paulo Boncaro carries himself like a superstar a bit more. He's shown it at the college level. Obviously, had a chance to win a national championship this year. You saw him on the big stages doing a lot more. Um, Ball handling-wise, he can get to his spot. He's very ferocious driving to the rim. He's improving his jump shot. Um, He could be a good defender. Um, hopefully the shin thing or whatever the hell was bothering him at the beginning of the college basketball season where he was cramping all the time, uh, doesn't carry over it into the, his NBA career. But I just think the magic don't really have a star right now. Uh, they have a lot of good young players and young core, but I don't think Jalen Suggs, who they took very high last time, um, is going to be that star for them. Uh, Cole Anthony is is sparky, but I think he's going to be sort of a, a bench guy at some point. Franz Wagner is like a great number two piece, complimentary piece. Um, and then you have the big men as well. Um, I just don't think they have that number one guy right now. And I think Paulo is in the best position to step into that day one. So I, I like him at number one. I don't hate it. I really, I, he holds himself like Kate Cunningham did. Yeah. And that's what I, I like to see. He has the mindset already as a number one pick. That's great. I think all three of these guys do. Um, Holmgren's already came out and said that he's, he's going to be the best player in the NBA whenever he gets drafted. So, congrats to you, big man. Um, I think he's going to. I think he's his best fit is Oklahoma City. Like, you absolutely said. agree. Abs. I, I think if as as long as he doesn't get picked number one, I think he is going to be drafted by Oklahoma City. I think that's the move. Yeah, that's the move. So we'll see. We will see. More to come. We have more to come because it's going to be me and it's going to be Aaron. And it's going to be my brother Evan Sell. We're going to do a live reaction pod. We're going to have that out ASAP Fergie whenever we, we finish doing that. 
Um, we're just going to talk about the top, like the lottery picks, and then we'll move on from there. But done, done talking about the NBA. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come and do a little cereal and brews right after this. We're back. And uh, for me and Aaron, it's been a movie weekend. Um, he finished the NBA and everyone knows Mitchell Sell has to watch movies to get over Celtics losses. So I decided to buy movie tickets to go see two movies this weekend. Um, but I'll start with mine because we both saw, actually both saw one, movies on Friday night. Then I went and actually saw one today. I'll start with my one, then we'll go to yours and then we'll go back to me. Went and saw Lightyear, Aaron. Were you, have you, did you even want to go see Lightyear? Nah, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. That's fine. And so this just pointed, this was just my uh, recommendation was not so glowing for you to want to go see it in theaters anyways. Um, it was, it was good. I liked, there were some one-liners in there that like you remember from like Toy Story and like Toy Story 2 and you're like, home and kind, I'm five years old again. Yay. Um, but like, it was, it was just such a C plus movie. And like, yeah. did I waste money seeing it? No, I got to, I went on a date. It was great. It was a blast, but it was just like, Man, did I wish I would have saw something else. But it's okay. I wish I would have saw the movie you went and saw. Which was Jurassic World Dominion. Um, I was a big fan, man. I thought it was the best of the new Jurassic World series out of the three. Oh. Yeah. Um, I've heard so many differing takes about this movie. So I, I loved it. Very, very entertaining. They brought back the original trio from the Jurassic Park with Steven Spielberg. So um, Sam Neill, Laura Dern, uh, Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum is hilarious. He is, uh, I mean, in like every role, he's great, but he's really funny in this movie. Um, and obviously the, the combination of the new cast and the old cast was great. They also obviously introduced a lot of cool dinosaurs that I never saw. So I'm a big animal nerd, so I'm all about that. Um, and in general, it's suspenseful, good plot, great special effects. Um, yeah, I was, I was a big fan. I gave it a 9 out of 10 uh 9.5 for the original jurassic park for for reference right um so that's still the top but for me this was the best jurassic world well i had something um have you seen independence day no i need to that is jeff goldman's best like like role for him okay that's my favorite thing i've ever seen him in we were madison and i were talking after the movie our our, uh, I love our movie theater. When you come, we should actually go to a movie um, because we have like a, a bar um, oh. in the movie theater. So you can either grab a drink, which is what, what we typically do, and then take it into the movie theater. Okay. But we had time after because we were ended up going to pick up Madison's and I's friend, Allie, and her boyfriend, Mitchell, the other Mitchell. Um, yeah, he is the other so we Mitchell. Like, we, yeah, we, we had like an hour to kill. Um, so we ended up just chilling by the bar and having a drink and it was very nice. So, uh, big fan of that. But anyways, when we were there, we were looking up Jeff Goldblum movies, uh, cause of his performance. We we're like, man, we just need to watch more Jeff Goldblum movies. A lot of them were kind of, I've never heard of them, but independence day was one that I've recognized, but I haven't seen. So I, I need that, to watch. that is the best of his movies. Like there aren't like, yeah, you're right. There's a lot of duds like the Jurassic parks are the second Jurassic park is a dud. The, Thor Ragnarok, he's in that. That was good. Yep, that. I really liked him in that. Yeah, he was funny. So, he's very Did funny. You see the fly? Yeah, in the fly. I'm so sorry. Don't watch it. Just don't do yourself that. Isn't hard. that like his first big deal? Yeah, it was something. But yeah, I think that was like his first like 
time on like his big 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 deal it's big break um but uh independence day that's that's the one i'll recommend you because him and him and will smith are like partnered up and it's just great it's okay great i'll watch so, it um so you had a movie that brought back old cast so did i i, I went and saw a top gun maverick today the hype is real I don't care if you're, I am a very straight heterosexual man. There are some very attractive men in this movie. And my Lord, it was, it, it was an incredible movie outside of that. The special effects, the, how real the shots are is incredible. Just like, like you watch behind the scenes footage of just like how they sat in these, these planes actually went this fast. And it was ridiculous just to see like the behind the scenes stuff of this. Like my dad's a, was super into the real the first Top Gun. We took him to see it for Father's Day. Me and my brother did. It's great, great time. It was a very good movie. I gave, I gave it an eight eight. And I don't care what people that th- there is no holes in the plot. It's it's a plot. It, there are no holes in it. It's not a great plot, but it's a good. It it works. And I it's a it's a movie. Have an imagination, people. My lord. And if you if you've seen it, I'll, I'll tell people this. If you haven't seen Top Gun in a while or you don't know it like by heart, like we do, like watch it. And then go see Top Gun Maverick because then you're gonna you're gonna pick up on like certain like nuances of the movie. They're like, oh okay, so there's a little reminiscent here, but it's still a good movie. I liked it a lot. Oh yeah, I've I've heard the take I've heard specifically was the plot was eh, but the flight scenes were great. Um, I mean, they're insane. I've never seen the first one, so I'm not super intrigued. To see this one i also get motion sick so i'm a little worried about that okay well i get motion sickness too and so does my dad and like it's a movie you're not like on the ride you're not in a ride with the plane i was i was a little sick in uh any of the 3d ones like 3d avatar i was so well, don't we see it in 3d that's just i mean that's just well, it's, everything oh, this is more dramatic though but you're not seeing like seeing things i'm using air quotes for the people seeing things come at you like you do in 3d i don't know I but I'll say it's just good. So I need the space movies, same sort of feeling. That's fair. That's that's a little different. So, but I'll, I, I'll maybe see it. I need to see the original first, though. You do need I'm to see the original. I'm not super intrigued by Tom Cruise. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to put it out there. That's not fine. Super We're a Tom Cruise family over here. We love the Mission yeah. Impossible. It's like, and I also love almost any, like, any pre action, like Tom Cruise, like, I like the I like a few good men. Uh, the firm is fantastic. Jerry Maguire for the people who love it and hate it, whatever you can have your thing. Vanilla Sky with Tom Cruise, very good movie. Um, I could go listing on for like five more minutes, but I'll stop now. Point is this: we're a Tom Cruise family. We also make fun of him how for how he runs and he does it in a flight suit. This movie in the snow and it's hilarious. <laughs> It's quite funny. There was a chuckle in the crowd. It was a great time. He also um, apparently never has any chemistry with the female lead. The only fight I'll have against that was uh, Demi Moore, Demi Moore in uh, A Few Good Men. That's the only one I'll fight against. Okay. But outside of that, very ugly chemistry. And like yeah. they're not even like there's not even supposed to be chemistry between the two of them. Yet it happens. I don't know. That was just a weird one. But don't disagree with you. Not not a terrible take. And that, yeah, that's not coming for me. That's just a carryover, something I've heard. So I'll see it. Um, interested to hear a very positive take. So that's definitely more reason to see it. But uh, yeah, lots of good movies. One movie I actually didn't 
didn't like, I think I saw it on Sunday, was the Downton Abbey movie. That was an awful movie. And well, I that Downton was a Abbey. dumb take. I, I know. Sorry, let me phrase that. That's a dumb choice of movie to go see. I, not a dumb take. It's it's a great take. That was a dumb choice of movie to go see. Aaron Carter. I was I was okay coming out of it. Like Madison, and I really liked Downton Abbey. I just finished it recently. Uh, I don't know. Whatever. I should worry about you. you whenever but- whenever winter <laughs> ended, uh, I finished it, and I really loved it. But the movies have not been great. The plot oh. sucked. Um, the chemistry between the people was not great. Some of the acting wasn't great. Also, the pacing, like Downton Abbey, kind of think of it. I know it's a completely different genre, but think of the pacing in terms of kind of Game of Thronesy, or it's very conversation based, right? And it just needs to move slow in order for you to get the essence of what's going on and to really be in the, you know, it, fall in love with the characters and all of that and understand who they are. In order to make this movie work, like they just had a million characters and they needed to give them all like a couple lines here and there, like the pacing was just completely off for what Downton Abbey typically is. So that was one of the reasons I didn't like it. So I think it's probably a sub five for me, but I still, it's Downton Abbey. So like, whatever, I'm still nostalgic about it, but that was a pretty bad movie. So would not recommend that. I don't blame you. I mean, I know, I know you won't be rushing to the theaters to see that anyways, but would not recommend. So two for two, two for two on these movies for us, one win and one loss for each of us. I won't count light years a loss. I'll count as a draw. Like we're playing soccer. Okay. Like I didn't think realize we were a soccer podcast. We're not, but I, I've been I've been rewatching Ted Lasso, and so we're just gonna call it as it is. Okay. Um, I, I think light years gonna do great for some people, and I don't think it'll. I don't think it's worth it for others. I think it's for those who are, think it'll be worth it. People will enjoy it. That's what. That's what I'll say about it. For the age group that it's meant for, it'll be great. For the 24-year-old man who went and saw it on Friday night, that was a dumb decision by him. That that was my yeah. fault. That was my fault. So, but anyways. That's been go. movies with Mitchell and Aaron. There Anything else to discuss on this serial and bruise? Oh, the most available bachelor in St. Louis is no longer uh, the most available yes. anymore. So yes. We're not gonna we're not gonna name names. She's awesome. She's great. Uh, yet to meet Aaron Carter at Madison. She's actually only met a few people in my family. I mean, she's actually only met Evan and Rachel. Uh, but I'm meeting her family uh, tomorrow. And oh boy, the people who know me, pray for me for the love of God. Um, so I am I'm excited. <laughs> I'm nervous and bring an artist shirt. <laughs> oh, I'm already sweating. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, I we but the best part about it. So we went to uh, a work party on Saturday. Um, we went to a work party together on Saturday, and she met all my friends and everything. It was great, and it was so hot in the house. And she got to see how like me and my natural habitat of sweat. And I was like, holy crap, she's as sweaty as I am. I'm like, yes, there's another one out there. Um, oh, but God. like, I, I'm clearly the most sweaty or the more sweaty of the two of us. But like, we ran also. I think I found my beat, my beer pong partner for the rest of my life. I mean, we ran the table. It was great. It was oh, awesome. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's exciting. I, I, I did carry it after, like, she got a little slosh, more slosh than I did, but it was okay. Nice. <laughs> so that's, that's not that hard for people to get more slosh than me. But thank you guys for listening to this episode. It was, it was, it's a, it has its ups and downs throughout it. We had Mitchell happy times and sad times throughout it all of it all. True. But, Throughout it all, we still had you guys. Thank you for listening to it. Um, like Aaron said, we're going to be putting out uh, a live reaction pod later this week just for the NBA draft. I'm excited for the draft. 
I also just love the NBA just for how much it always consistently has something going on. At least it yep. seems like so. It's always something to talk about. But we're excited for Thursday. We're excited for the draft. And if you guys aren't following us on Twitter, follow us at Hooper's Almanac. Um, yeah, until Thursday. Thank you guys. Have a great rest of your week. Boston, make a trade for the love of all that is good and holy. Have a good one, guys.